Today is the day to wake, work, and win. Welcome to The Standard. Well, what do you do on Facebook? I surf it and look for marketplace items all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, that can be frustrating, but I think you do a little bit more on that. Well, it's funny because, like, um, my first exposure to Facebook was back in 2007. I worked for the NBA back then. I think I told you about that. Yeah, but all right, well, let's stop there. What does that look like? <laughs> so I, it's a long journey, but I oversaw fantasy games for, for the NBA uh, from the 2005 to six seasons to 2007 to eight. What do you mean fantasy games? So fantasy basketball. So it was everything. When I when I started, it was everything. It was licensing. So like ESPN, Yahoo, everybody else who wants to run fantasy basketball and use NBA marks yeah. need to get licensed by the NBA. Like NBA Jam. Anything that was NBA fantasy related. Oh, okay. Right? All right, all right. Yeah. Not in video games? Not video okay. games. That's a whole right. other licensing department. All right. All right. Eventually, I was like, dude, I'm in over my head when it comes to licensing. Like, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But beyond that, I was in charge of like, okay, sit down. Like, what would be a cool game? And I would sit down with developers and we'd create a fantasy basketball game. Beyond that, like content. So I was in charge of uh, finding people who could write content, but I also wrote content. So we partnered with Facebook back when it just evolved beyond the the, the uh, schools, you know, right? Right. Yeah. You remember that? I remember when you had to... Yeah, you'd apply. You so invited, well, kind of? When I, w- I was at Iowa when we got, uh, when we got Facebook, because I was like, my girlfriend had it, and she was at University of Wisconsin, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's going to come. You needed the EDU address. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Remember that. Yeah. Right. So what's, what's funny is, uh, so we partnered with them because... Remember the old March Madness bracket thing that they had on Facebook yeah. back when it was college? So they just repurposed it for the NBA, for the, for the playoffs, NBA playoffs. So that was before you could create your own app, is we partnered with Facebook to create that app for us. And then I was, so I was like the admin of that first official NBA Facebook group before there were pages. So it became this whole new world to me. And then I kind of fell in love with the platform because like I moved around as a kid. And, like, thought I'd never talk to people again that I knew from, like, 30 years past. And then, like, reconnecting was the greatest thing in the world. Um, So then, you know, learning how to use it from a business perspective, I ended up leaving the NBA after three seasons just because, like, we had to live in New Jersey. And you're like, "Uh, I don't want to be What's wrong with that? (laughs) (laughs) We go to the shore. That's great. Yeah, it's crazy though. Like, but then once you get interior, just, the intensity right. of traffic and congestion is something that people in Colorado can't really grasp and understand. Like to get anywhere and do anything is just. I mean, the hard. infrastructure of the East Coast had to go from the start of us being in America to what it is now, as opposed to we can start to build things out west later on in like the evolution of america but there's still like infrastructure of the east coast that is built for like carriages <laughs> right but so i mean when we when I t- took the job it was kind of an agreement like this is because we we were in colorado then moved out there oh our oldest son michael at the time too was one years past diagnosis with cancer oh 
So there's this whole big decision. He's fine and was fine. But um, so another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Oh, we're going to have to get new doctors and all that kind of stuff. So took the job, but it was a, it was a great opportunity. It was, I mean, some of the stuff that happened was amazing. Like I was in charge of the the uh, Celebrity Fantasy League where we had celebrities who joined and played against one another. I helped Samuel L. Jackson draft his team and, and manage his team for two years and, like, being on the phone. Is there a lot of yelling? There, there, kind of, there might have been, yeah. Listen, mother, <laughs> I want this guy. But that was always the joke is, like, whatever you imagine Samuel L. Jackson to be like when he's drafting his basketball team is pretty much the way That's Samuel. awesome. That's that was great. But it felt like a dream, and the whole thing felt like a dream. But um, – and then – unfortunately that was during a time I was begging him like please can you let me work remotely can I work from Colorado and like that was just not a thing back then uh so then it came to an end and but you know ended up taking a couple jobs got laid off twice it was you know economy was pretty messed up for a few years there and then which was great uh, all these all that background kind of worked out for me like the fact that I didn't want to move my family again in fact, I had this. I'm mean, just saying, you worked for the NBA was it helped. Sure, having that experience with Facebook, and then like I just started promoting what I could do, right? Like I, this, these are the things I, I know about. So I started started a website, just thinking this is gonna be like a way to showcase what I can do. Then I started using Facebook to promote it and running Facebook ads to promote it. Next thing I know, I'm writing tutorials and stuff about how you use Facebook ads and use Facebook to promote your business or promote yourself. And before I knew it, I had a business. Like I didn't know I was starting a business and I was like, Oh, I can actually sell something. Like I've got this big audience now. So it was this evolution. And so that's 11 years ago that that, so that layoff happened and I haven't had an employer since then. There had to have been some sort of enjoyment in it though, because if you didn't even know you're starting a business, but you're, putting all this time into writing tutorials. I mean, there was something yeah. about Facebook that interested you, like the the marketing aspect. It's not even so much the marketing um, because I hate selling. Yeah. It, it, it's the the tools and the strategy and the levers and the, the, the stats and stuff like that. Um, and really, that's still my style. Like, when I teach people, it's not like, the, you know, these are the secrets to success and all that stuff. It's like, this is how you do these particular things. It's just kind of straightforward. It's how you use, there's no guarantees it's going to work for you. You got to figure out what works best for you. You got to experiment and, and whatnot. This episode is brought to you by us. More importantly, our Patreon. And most importantly, our Patreon members. If you like what you're hearing, 
think about joining us. Head on over to the-standard.us, and for as little as $3 a month, you can get extra episodes, discounts on gear, monthly conference calls. So head on over to our site at the-standard.us. And remember to always like and subscribe. Back to the show. But is, uh, Would you say the process is kind of repeatable with the exception of knowing that you, it might hit or miss, you know, yeah. some, something, uh, to do, yeah. but it's, it's kind of like there's, there's this one kind of way, the one way to guide you through it that if you follow this, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the, the problem is there's so many factors that impact how, how you do, right? So what industry are you in? Do you have a built-in audience of people and like a yeah, brand recognition, people who already know who you are? When you if you send people to your website, do you have a good website? Can you target people who already have been to your website and are on your email list and things like that? You know, I've heard email lists are some of the most valuable yeah. thing. I mean, bigger than say your followers or what if you have emails, listen to a couple of podcasts like a few years back, just about how that you know, building that client base, building that uh, database is huge. Absolutely. I mean, I would say that ultimately, like, I, I used Facebook ads mostly to build my brand, drive traffic, build my email list. And I use my email list more to actually sell. Um, yeah. And now, just like everything else, I'd say that even that's becoming more difficult um, with Google and, like, the other box just to get into their inbox you're saying get into their main inbox yeah because it's it's separated now between your main box and your your marketing box which you might not even open and look at and just a challenge like can i get into their main box or not so i'm not seeing quite that same impact i used to but um it's still it's like yeah if you've got a big relevant email lists there's very little it's more valuable than that it seems like facebook has evolved so much and is not what it was <laughs> 10 years ago right so if you had to kind of like consistently change your approach or has the like the hey these are the staples that we're going to use are those still valid the staples are still valid now the fact that facebook's constantly changing is actually a benefit to me why is that? Because as an educator, I'm always needed. Mm. There's always something new, something different, something changing, something that's confusing to people. You can't stay on top of it. You so need your your yeah. challenge then is to always be on top of the new changes. Yes, but it's like if I'm not doing that, I run out of stuff to talk about. Yeah. Right, because I've been doing this for 11 years I've written, I mean, those first like three years or so, I was writing almost every single day. So it's like, if things didn't change, mm. I, I, I would get to the point where it's like, I've already talked about this and written about this a million times. There's nothing else to do. You think it's better now or it's on the trajectory of, of getting better or is Facebook for the older, quote unquote, older generation and new platforms are going to kind of come up and take their place it's tough to say i I see i mean things are definitely changing like for the first time facebook has plateaued as as a a platform but that was bound to happen no matter what like you you're not going to get everybody on the platform and and the fact that it grew for so long is insane it's kind of unprecedented and it's still it's i mean people knock it but 
it's kind of a utility. Like it's for the same reason you knock your your electrical bill and everything else. Like you can't go without your electricity. A lot of these people don't really want to go without Facebook. Right. And you, people say, oh, I, I hate Facebook. I love Facebook. Now you're on Instagram. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, though, the demographic shifting, the way it's used is shifting. I mean, Facebook partially makes that, Facebook meta, partially makes that decision and, like, what they prioritize in the feed. It's a, like a chicken and the egg question of is are they prioritizing that in the feed because they want to make it a priority or is it because people engage with it more generally that's tough not always easy to say but you know reels short form video that's the thing now and that that's been the toughest part for me because kind of what we were talking about like i don't like selling i'm not i don't like being in front of a camera like now you're like hey i got to do an elevator pitch every day just to get a reel together right And and i hate doing video like my thing was always well, so in the very, very beginning, like I was uneasy about even doing podcasts, webinars, and stuff like that. And then you start telling me, "Oh, I got to do videos." <clears throat> and then TikTok comes out and it makes it seem like it's all about doing stupid dances and stuff. I'm like, I was so opposed to doing all that. It wasn't until the last month that I really started dedicating, my, dedicating myself to reels and to TikTok. Where I'm you're like, on TikTok. I, yeah. Oh boy. Do we need to get on TikTok? Whatever Lexi says, we'll do. Yeah, we have a, a social media manager, yeah. and if she tells us we're going to start a TikTok, it's probably we're going to do. But I think what's interesting about our TikTok in America is, yeah, they push those stupid videos and uh, and dances as opposed to other parts of the world. They push things that make society better. Well, in in that is probably true. I will say this. When I first got on TikTok, one of the things that like kept me from ever getting involved was like kind of like what you're saying. The, the initial feed is just garbage. It's trash. It's trash. I'm like, why am I doing this? Once you actually start following accounts, it learns. It's a little creepy. It learns. Well, it, the creepiest part is that they can... They have access to your whole phone. Right, exactly. Like that is, that is why I will never have it on my personal devices. I, I was, but, I said the same thing. Yeah, but if our. So you're saying he's full of shit. He'll, no. He'll come around. No, what I'm saying is that's why we have Lexi. <laughs> yeah, you'll come. I bet I, I'm the one with him. Man. You'll come around. I don't know, Eventually man. Eventually it's going to happen. I was so dead set against just it generally. But yeah. Now, what is your TikTok so people can find it? John Loomer at there John you Loomer. Go. Uh, pretty much everything's at John Loomer, except for Facebook. It's at John Loomer Digital to separate it from my other thing. But is um, it a porno guy? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, well, this is not the John. Loomer. I don't. I don't want that John Loomer. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, so the, the thing is, so now it's like it, it's it's crafted to what I've been engaging with. So not only do I have people to follow that aren't garbage, right? Um, but the for you stuff is is much more relevant. It's it's all business related stuff. But I also have noticed quickly, like all of these people who have been part of my like social media marketing world during the past decade, so many of them are on TikTok but not really doing anything. Like they're there because they think they're supposed to be there, mm. but I think they're like me and that like they're having a hard time adjusting and feeling like I can't do this or whatever. I am quickly realizing that I've got an opportunity there. 
like and just within a few weeks i've been creating videos there and like it's i'm seeing way more traction than i've had in years cuz truthfully my business has taken a decline over the last few years as i've just been unwilling or unable to adjust to all these the way the way social media works these days and so i'm like i'm seeing traction that i haven't seen in forever and it's been pretty cool and part of it's because i'm creating stuff for tiktok but i'm also then pushing it to reels and on Instagram and Facebook as well. And it's, I'm seeing benefit. I think where like content creators, like we all are, where you get stuck is, man, I just got to put stuff out as opposed to how can I add value today? Right. And if you, if you're adding value, I think people will eventually find you, but there's this push, like you were saying, like, I got to get on TikTok because everyone else says I need to. And then they get there and they're not, being they're not holding to why they're doing this whole thing in the first place it's just hey i'm doing this because i think everyone else says I right should. yeah you gotta have a purpose now it's getting a little more complicated because like forever i, I said hey you know create the content that fits your style and and you know reach reach the, the audience you think it's going to need it the most like my skill was writing so I wrote a ton of blog posts, and that's where I felt comfortable. And then I got in that routine. Like I always felt like, okay, I gotta create, I gotta write a new blog post, gotta write a new blog post. And eventually, it's like, do I need to keep doing this? Says like, I'm not seeing the same. Like Google just freaking loved me for years. Like it would organically send me ten thousand plus people a day, and then all of a sudden it wasn't quite like that. And like now I create a video on TikTok and reels and I immediately get this feedback I'm like maybe this is the way I should be doing it you know and um, and maybe it's more about like how are people consuming content these days like yeah there are there are people who want to read that long tutorial blog post but more often than not if somebody wants to know how to do something they're searching for a video yeah I think you need to have both because it's helpful yeah, you well, get a lot of time on your hands. It yeah. seems like you have to find whatever your niche is. Yeah. And you can't go totally broad strokes because that is just there's too many people doing that. Yeah. Of 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 in our world when you look at my Instagram feed, it's all like these motivational because, you know, yeah. I think we kind of get lumped into that sometimes. Those people don't have a niche. So you need to find out what your little group is and don't think of, "Hey, I'm, how can I reach the world?" You're not. You need to reach your little, this this little group of weirdos just like you. Mm -hmm. And that's who you need to to try and find. Your short videos, I think, bring people to your longer content. So it's kind of a uh, a funnel. You try and take all these people and bring them down to, hey, this whole, this thing that we love so much, here's something that's a a bit more long form. Right. Um, How do you handle the ebbs and flows of feeling like, man, this is really going well, and what the fuck are we even doing here? Like, <laughs> why am I even making these videos or doing these podcasts? Like, what are we doing here? I mean, it's it's funny because I have been through so many rounds of that. <laughs> well, I mean, think about it, like, so I started in 2011, didn't know what I was doing, just started writing stuff and writing into the void, and no one was reading it initially. My world then exploded, like, over over a year where I got more attention, 
more recognition. I felt a level of fame for a period of time. And I was like, this is weird. Like, I remember going to a, a conference with and brought my family and my kids were like, you're like famous. What is it? Like everybody like wanted pictures and stuff. It's the weirdest thing. And this is like 2014, 2015. And so then it's like, it was easy. Like right. it didn't matter what I did. Like I could write something and a whole bunch of people will read it. I could not write something. A whole bunch of people are coming on my website. I got complacent, whatever. And now it's like, I write something like, it's not that no one's going to read it. It's just like, what happened? And and the weird thing is, kind of like we were talking about, like reaching people, like the way that they consume content. It's it's. I think people mean it as a compliment, but it hurts a little bit. Like I'll, I'll put out. <laughs> so now when I've been putting out these TikToks and reels and stuff, I'm reaching people that I haven't been reaching forever. And they're like, "Oh, John, like I just want you to know how much you meant to 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 my business uh, back in 2014." Like, I haven't seen your stuff in years. I'm like, I have still been here. Totally. So, like, yeah, you talk about the long tail and all that kind of stuff. It's like, we've still got to find ways to reach them to get them to our stuff. And uh, unfortunately, the way it works now is, like, it's if, if all you're going to do is the written word, it's just so hard to reach people now. Did you ever write any books? Didn't you? Don't you have a book? I don't. It was always kind of a thought. One, one of the kind of... Uh, forks in, in my road for my business was when I cho- does, chose not to write one. Like there was somebody, it was like a, a dummies book. They wanted me to do one for Facebook marketing. And I was like, I just couldn't get energized behind it. And then it's like, cause ultimately like that changes so much. Like what value can that book provide anyway? Like all that, that work you put into it. And then it finally gets out and it's like, well, this is from like two years ago. It's not even valuable anymore. But I've thought about writing. I just, yeah, I've never gotten around to that. Maybe one day. Could it be something that we talked about those like things that that seem to never change? Right. Even though the algorithms might evergreen, something evergreen, yeah. Yeah, you're those pillars of starting a business. Right. And I think you more than most can talk about those ebbs and flows and how to you know, my my wife's a small business owner as well and she talks about these just valleys of despair. Where Seriously. When you're you're on your own like I haven't worked in an office in like fifteen years. And so when you're just by yourself, it's you get in your own head. You're like, you can spend entire days too just doing nothing and feeling sorry for yourself, and no one can stop you. No one can like hold you account other than maybe your wife, right? So it's just yeah. It is nice having a business partner because you can bounce ideas off each other, or you know, like, hey, does this look like shit? Like to me, it doesn't because I just worked the last hour on it. But you know, it's it's nice to be able to have that. Um, or when you're having those days of just like, dude, I don't want to do anything. Right. That other person does help kind of like lift you out of that. Yeah. And I, and I do have a team and, and my wife, Lisa, also, you know, we, we co-own the business and she handles all the financial side, but we really never talk business, which is probably good. It's awesome. Honestly, like, especially when things aren't great, like we don't need to obsess over stuff. But um, then I have my, my team that I've had this, that's been the same group for like five years Someone who handles like all the customer support stuff. Someone who handles a lot of the technical questions about Facebook ads. We had a tech team and um, like business manager, um, and those people all help. But it's all remote, right? I don't have anyone that I like sit down with and hang out with and like, hey, what should we do? I think that's a downside that that will end up 
shaken out after this whole great resignation thing and people all wanting to work remote, you miss that interaction. And, and we see it in the fire service all the time, right? People will leave, they'll retire and be like, I do not miss the job, but I miss sitting around the table with everybody. They miss that human connection and this short-term benefit of not having to go to an office. I get to be at home and work less, basically. The payoff, I don't think, is worth it. I think we're going to find that out in the long run. I think there's just, I think there's, I don't know, pros and cons to both. I don't think it, I don't think it's yeah I don't think I, I don't think I would say it's not worth it I mean but you need to have you need to have something else to fill that interaction void well we were talking about before we came on about having something to prevent burnout we were yeah. talking about sports but that kind of runs along with it. I mean I think it's yeah because you're taking that sports and that's filling that social interaction like that most people yeah just like the fire service yeah but most people you know they go to work and come home they might have a few close friends but they don't have this like need to work with a team consistently and having those social interactions and how important those are i mean we're on the opposite end though so we go to work and that's like overload well i mean that's like our that's like a rose night out you know right and so i mean i don't i don't feel as much of a need to yeah because we're filling that cup yeah right so i mean it's just the opposite i mean if you work from home i think as long as you got something that's holding your time then i totally fine i mean i can't see you know the the tough stuff about going to an office i mean that's probably everything everything that is stereotypical of office life is probably everything we would hate in the Mm -hmm. fire service so i mean yeah, yeah you're getting the interaction but there's probably a lot of shit you're dealing with that's like, ah, uh, there's know, a, lot of, do a lot of time wasted that. too. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's a lot of people in probably the professional business world that, as firefighters in the climate we're used to, we would just be like, nah, I'm, I don't even want to see that guy. You know, <laughs> I don't want to be around that guy. This sucks. Yeah. You need to have, I think, you need to have both. You need to have that alone time, but you also need to have that social interaction so yeah. you're not just you know right. logging off at the end of the day and then scrolling through doom but scrolling i mean instagram remember i don't know if we were at the station watching that um it's a documentary on mr beast uh you know the youtube guy that was the the rogan podcast. was he on there okay mm-hmm. i watched something else too on it too you know just had felt compelled more to like find out but yeah. i mean that was the exactly what you're saying not to do. i mean it was there was no logging off, and it was all alone, you know? Yeah, but he was an entrepreneur. Yeah, but I mean, that was, I mean, what was it? He started in his early teens? Yeah. I think the entrepreneur lifestyle style is completely separate from anything corporate. I think it's the opposite. It's like the antithesis of corporate. Yeah, you got to get used to being alone. Well, there is no bullshit work. Yeah. <laughs> like, every... Everything is important, and you're the only one doing it, as opposed to you're at an office, and you're like, this is stupid, this doesn't matter, <laughs> whatever. When you're an entrepreneur, like, it's just you're you're working on your – it's like this. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's why, that's why a lot of people don't go into business for themselves. Yeah, it's fucking hard. I mean, it's hard. <laughs> it really is hard. It is hard. Well, and I think most – like I had no, I only did it because I felt 
forced into it. And also, I, I didn't kind of consciously start it, right? I just, I created this website thinking I was going to get a job because of it. And then started writing a bunch of stuff and then building an email list and stuff. Again, not even realizing it's starting a business. And then I think someone was like, why don't you sell to them? Like, I don't really know how to create a product or whatever. And then I did, and that was it. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, the social side of it, I just think this is it's a unique challenge now, right? Everybody working remotely, entrepreneurs, whatever. It's our responsibility individually, and I do not fulfill this responsibility well at all of filling that cup. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like being so – like, here's the problem with this new world is, like, I'm an introvert. So I am not – I'm not – necessarily someone who makes a bunch of friends and goes hang out and wants to do all these things anyway so if you give me the option just staying home and, and like, i'm gonna do it I'm gonna stay yeah. <laughs> it's it's work for me to go out and you know so and i know i'm not alone and all that but it, i think it just gets more and more challenging for every year you spend in that secluded world which is like baseball took me out it's like the one thing that took me out of that you know i think you're it, talking coaching or yeah yeah, yeah. yep I mean, that'll fill your cup because that's a that's a time commitment we were talking about. Um, You know, that's the one thing. You did a really good job. So for Craig, I mean, Craig knows this, but for a little background, I mean, we we ran into each other a couple years ago. Our youth baseball teams were playing together, and then kids on my team guest play for your team. My son did it a couple times, but you did a really good job on that team your team the spiders uh one of the best team cultures top to bottom at the youth level i i mean i've ever seen i appreciate that yeah i mean so much so that that was my goal with my team is to replicate it i mean i what make what make plagiarize your contracts what makes that what makes the well i mean i'll let him answer but my guess would be that um, I mean, one thing you've always preached is it starts with the parents. Yeah. Like you were recruiting the parents, and you didn't care how could how good the kid was. Right. I mean, you feel bad for a kid when his parents get in the way, but it's like we're not going to deal with this. Like the parents got to be on board with just sitting back and letting the coaches coach and letting the kids right. play. Yeah, it was a it was a tough balance because the Spiders were a highly competitive team, and with that, you know, you're going to have highly competitive parents. And with with high expectations, but at, at the same t- at the same time, it's like this this is still a game. These are just kids. This really isn't the end of the world. Like you're not going to remember all these at bats, the you know all these games, championship games, like how many trophies you won, all that kind of stuff. Like so, it's trying to keep perspective on the things that are important. Like, do you need to practice every day and travel? You know, play all these tournaments and all that stuff. It's like while also being competitive, trying to you know, keep it in check, but also establishing very clearly what we stand for and what expectations are, putting it in writing and not assuming that parents understand and have to sign off on it. Like, I will not come to the dugout during the games and tell my kid what to do. I will not come to the coach right after the game and complain about this. Actually, my kid, if he doesn't like his playing time, is going to come to the coach. But it's also for me, too, as a coach, holding myself accountable and be like, because it's not the end-all, be-all, we're not here just to win. Like We want to win, but we want to develop kids, too. So if you're on the team, you're there to play. Hmm. 
So we, we batted everybody. Everyone played somewhat equally. I mean, you still had to earn your position and your role and whatnot. But that's something I've, I also learned a lot over the years. Like, I coached through three sons, you know. So in the beginning, I was the crazy, crazy coach, too. And um, we're, and it's, it's silly because it's like this was Little League, and I was that was intense and insane. And then it was like over the years watching other coaches, really. And like that coach over there is just like this is a really, really good team. That coach over there is like barely even talking. Like he's not – He does all his talking during the week, right? <laughs> like he's not yelling at them. He's not – like and they're all doing stuff like they're supposed to do. Like and they all feel like play play really loose and relaxed. Like why is that? Like oh, I mean the tough thing for the majority of youth coaches, and we'll just stick in the baseball world. <laughs> both of us know that really well. Yeah, but yeah. The tough thing is for the majority of youth baseball coaches, their dads, mm-hmm. um, they're doing it for the first time. Right. Right. Like everybody's coaching eight to fourteen year olds for the first time, and that's I mean luxury for you is like you got to do it three right. times yeah. so um i'm glad is this I a new time <laughs> is this a new thing i feel like when uh, i was growing up you went to the park district and you signed up like club ball no i mean i don't know whatever it is whatever when you're in middle school Youth sports are way different than they were when, yeah. 20 years ago i mean to have like, the where your guys's level right now like makes me intimidated for my kids you just just leave, leave Finn's <laughs> athletic development to your father-in-law. Leave it to Bob. Oh, that's already that's already <laughs> taken care of. It's just like it's to me. It was you showed up oh, yeah. to for a game and like, hey, you're the White Sox this year, right. and you know, and boys, you played with your friends you went to school with. Yep, boys, girls, yep. they all we all played together, and now it's like I come to your I come to Brex games, and it's like, it's like it's a college is like the the parents are wearing the team oh yeah shit and like i'm just like whoa dude like i used to make fun of those teams <laughs> right when we were in little league and then all of a sudden this team would stroll up and they all had the same gear and bags and everything and like i, I was joking like they probably wear the same underwear and they probably <laughs> <might have. laughs> you know but eventually we got sucked in too you know it's like especially when you're part of a, a metro area right it gets so and you man we we see it once our kids get to high school yes it is too serious and it's too ridiculous and it's all too much pressure pressure and intense for kids it ultimately is if they want to play high school ball they've got to get more attention early on because it's just too competitive you're playing in schools or 2500 kids or whatever Dang. you know so that, that that's a they didn't they don't have the luxury I had as a kid where yeah you just show up and play you go to your high school of 500 kids right you want to play yeah coach has never heard about anybody so it's no. like here's a tryout no you know? there's like there's no hype building up oh this there's this new crop of freshmen coming in and like oh, you just show up whatever it's just the the pol- political side of it and everything now is just crazy how old are your kids so I'm out my two oldest are senior in college, freshman in college, and then my, my youngest is a freshman in high school now. How uh, – I'm just thinking about this and then the thing we were talking about, about identity last podcast. When they have this 
identity of I'm a baseball player. And then, I mean, again, when you are focusing who you, like who you are as a person is kind of what you do. Right. And for us and for, I assume your boys, like once you take that uniform off, who are you? We have to deal with that in our 50s and 60s. They are having to deal with that when they're 16. Like, how did that transition go for them? That is precisely something I was starting to talk to you about upstairs. Like, I worry about kids around. Like, playing at the next level is far from guaranteed for a kid in Colorado. So, like, I feel like from a very young age, we're building them up to, like, oh, we got to do this year-round and all this stuff so that you can play in high school, so that you can play in college, so that you can go, who knows, beyond that. But the, the percentages are so small, student. So he went to Texas Tech to to be a doctor. All right, so that 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 was a pretty easy transition for him. Our middle one is the one that actually kind of, I don't going to say disappointed, but it's like, man, this kid has ability. <laughs> but he just never, like, but he, at the same time, kind of like what you're saying, though, is, is probably good. When he went to college, he was like, Okay, I'm done. Now he's he's playing club ball right now for Mizzou, but it's like he didn't like the only reason he even considered playing college ball is because of pressure from coaches and even from his parents a little bit. Like you can play, guy. You can do it if you want right. to. But beyond that, it's like they've they've embraced, which is really honestly long term probably for the best. A, a different life where they're not baseball players. And I think part of that's because bringing them up, it's just, it's not all about baseball. We try to make them as well-rounded as possible. And so when you, like, how do you do that? Have them play other sports, have them yeah. do things that aren't sports related at all. Like I know that, I mean, even my nieces, like they are in sixth and eighth grade and it is softball every day after school every single week in there at a tournament. And it's just like, man, like where, how do you, even if you want to make them well-rounded, right? it's like if you, if you miss these games, you can't play on the weekends. So we ha- now, now we have, we can't go do karate because we got to do. Well, it's, it's good to play sports that, that complement each other, mm. at least in terms of scheduling. All right. So yeah, all three of my boys um, play baseball, ranked cross country. Those are not sports that necessarily go well together because cross country runners, um, that usually, once you train for that, that t- tends to hurt your sprint ability mm. and vice versa. You're working out for baseball, getting bigger. It's going to make you slower cross country. So like my older boys experienced that in the high school is like, they got slower as they went, but, and like the, the, Cross-country coach doesn't love the fact that they're playing baseball. Baseball coach doesn't love the fact they're running cross-country, but they did it, and they loved it, and they enjoyed it, whatever. So, I mean, that was part of it, but, I mean, schoolwork, and like, I give my, my wife a ton of credit on this. I mean, she's deeply involved with their schools and with their teachers and, you know, as long as she can be. I mean, high school is harder. And just with what they're, what they're doing and um, making that always a priority also makes it clear that baseball is not number one, that it's school, it's right. friends, it's family, it's all this other stuff that's important. You know, going back to your softball thing, I, I think with any kid that's involved in, like, intense commitments, and then it doesn't even have to be sports. It could, I mean, it could be 
something extracurricular uh like music you know some music based stuff but yeah. you've got to check in with your kids very often that's what i find is hey are you still liking this hey what do you need like what do you want still good i mean you still still like spending all this time doing that you know that, that's a that's a big part of you know scheduling their time you know and put making sure they have the stuff in front of them they want in front of them you know and then when they say hey i'm out it's okay we're finishing the season and then you can be right. done that's a whole nother that that's a whole nother i think discussion on quitting and stuff but yeah. like but almost I, before the season starts or I mean, well hey you know like we're, i'm going to sign you up for this thing yeah you're in for the year you're in for the year yeah, yeah. okay yeah. yeah i'm still a few years away from having to deal with any of that but you know you think about hey how am i, I mean, going to barring Barring some, right? You know, like you have serious bad, like you have abusive coaches Check, or right. uh, some major family. You know, got kids move. You know, they move yeah. in the middle of the year just because parents' jobs and stuff like that. So there's nothing you can do about that, right? But yeah, man, just checking in with them is huge because you know we we were talking upstairs too about how when I was growing up, I, I couldn't get enough of it. I couldn't get enough baseball. It's like I could have. I could have played, you know, I tell myself I could have played year round, you know. We didn't have fall ball, and then going into high school, fall ball started, and it was yeah. like, yeah, sign me up. And it wasn't a big thing around here, so it was very few in my mm. high school even did that. But then I think about it the last year or so, I start kind of thinking more in depth. Well, maybe I couldn't get enough of it because I couldn't get enough of it. What do you mean? Well, like, I didn't ever burn out because I, I kind of had those forced breaks. Oh. Meaning there was no year round in Colorado, right? You know, so when when March came around and spring training started playing on the on the tube, you know, I was like, "This is awesome! I can't wait to get outside." You know, right? Um, we played twenty to thirty games over the summer, and I was, I mean, I couldn't sleep the night before every single one of them. You know, damn it! So and, like, you know, so now we're doubling that, if not tripling, sometimes. And again, there's it is a bit much. Yeah, I mean. We just had no options, and I think uh, I just don't know if that was the reason. You know, would I would I have burned out doing what these kids are doing? Right. And I think we filled. I don't know about you, but I can speak for myself. I mean, I, I think we filled those gaps, even when it was always baseball related, differently back then than now. Like now, it's all serious year round. Like the training, the the practices, the tournaments, the travel. For me, it's like, oh, it's because my brother and I are going to get out and play catch, and I'm going to pitch to him, and then the kids in the neighborhood are going to get together and play some pickup baseball, which mm-hmm. does that yeah. even happen anymore? I don't think so. Playing wiffle ball. I was, we were obsessed with wiffle ball. Oh, my God. And it's, it's not that, like, oh, kids these days. It's like it's – and I, Parents you know, these days, too. Yeah. But I also think that – location matters like i grew up in a sorry i grew up in a again smaller town where i think access to that stuff was a little bit easier you just walk you know to the park and all kind of stuff to do these things where you know i don't know where would be like it's so hard to get a baseball field around here yeah um and the places to play but um to just do something pick up but uh, my neighbors uh two boys probably seventh and eighth grade and almost every day, if not, you know, a couple times a week, definitely every day during the summer, 
Those two are outside with the net in the middle yeah. of the street playing catch. Their dad's out there lacrosse season doing that. It's just like that makes me feel like everything hasn't gone so far that way. But what you're saying is, hey, uh, I'm going to call your landline. Let's meet over at right. Troyer Field at 6. Until it gets dark. Until it gets dark. And it was never about we got to do this to train to get better and make our baseball team. So it's like we were having fun. It's, it was truly a game. And, again, I don't want to make it sound like old man shouting at the cloud kind of thing, <laughs> like the way, way things used to be. But because I think just the way things have evolved, it's harder to, to have that now. And a lot of it's because of the pressure we're putting on these kids that you have to do certain things in order to keep going to the next level. And like it, We've lost that. I just want to get out there and have fun and play the game, play some wiffle ball, throw the ball around, whatever, without some purpose for it. Yeah. And sometimes the purpose is just having fun. Yeah. Um, you you have your own podcast. Yeah. Aside from the Facebook marketing yeah. stuff, but Fungal Files. Yeah. You do a pretty good job in production value on that. You like, like that? Yeah, eight, ten minutes. It's good stuff. So, you know, it's super simple. And... It's basically usually I have a, a blog post I've already written, so I like have a, an outline of what I'm going to cover. And um, but like I started that website basically to promote the spiders. Yeah, I started the team back in summer of 2015, and just the the crazy thing was like that website actually exploded <laughs> when I started it. Like I was getting more traffic to it than for my business. So I've got all that content out there, and I was like, so I'm plenty of stuff I can pull from. I was like, okay, I'm just going to sit down and talk about this for eight, ten minutes, whatever. And it, Have you you've gotten feedback? Like, what kind of feedback have you gotten from, like, what's the most, I guess, popular, maybe polarizing episode that you've had? Is there? Well, the podcast itself, I would say, is still, like, it hasn't gained a ton of traction. But the, the website... Uh, the one about daddy ball. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, like, particular people speak out on it? Well, basically, if if you're going to write a blog post about daddy ball, you're going to get a lot of opinions. Yeah. What's daddy ball? So, dad coaches. And oh, oh. Per- perceived, perceived favoritism <laughs> and how it wrecks teams and all that kind of stuff. Check. And so, uh, uh, so you're going to get two perspectives. You got the, the dad, the mom the parent that understands how difficult that is. And you got the parent of the perceived slighted kid who's not getting the time because the daddy, the dad coach's crappy kid is the shortstop at getting all the, all the opportunities that, that your kid's supposed to get. Which I mean, simple solution. That does that. exist. It does exist. Simple solution is just find another team. Right. Know? I mean, right. You can kind of stay miserable, and if you don't like the things way the way they are, then you you talk to the coach and discuss it with your kid, and you just find another team. You know, and honestly, that's one of the like. There's so many things that formed the way I ended up coaching, but just like I never want anyone to watch a game and think and watch it and be like, "That's I can tell that's the coach's kid mm. because he doesn't belong there," or the coach is yelling at him differently than everybody else, or whatever it be. Did any of it ever? transfer over into home within your boys i mean i'm sure it did right it, it happens to every dad that coaches because i mean do you ever felt like when especially when you're intense the first round right. you 
probably harder on your kid than anybody else, right? Because you want to make sure that you didn't get perceived as, you know, treating your kid differently. And but you really were harder on them. Yeah, M- memory is a weird thing because like I've talked to my wife Lisa about this. I'm like, man, it's a it's a little bit tougher with my youngest JJ. Like he reacts a little bit more to like how I talk to him, even though I'm making much more of an effort to treat him like everybody else. Yeah. And it impacts him more. And she's like, you don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> like it was the same for the other kids. And like, I, I really don't remember it. Like I felt like those two handled it really, really well. And not that JJ didn't, but I felt like there was more of a taking it personally uh, from him sometimes. But um, I wouldn't say it spilled over to, like, at home or anything. It was one of those that, like, you know, the ride home could be quiet, which probably should be in a lot of cases anyway. But, uh, you know, it, it didn't negatively impact our relationship. If, the only, it, it's challenging because, yes, you, want to, you have uh, such a mixture of emotions as a dad coach that you want him to succeed you trust him, you hate putting him in a position where he fails and is is upset. You don't want him getting fingers pointed. You're worried about parents thinking you're giving them special treatment, stuff like that. So I totally understand all of the 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 various approaches that dad coaches take. Like, look, this my kid was getting screwed over on this other team. I'm gonna give him this opportunity. Or, you know, the complete opposite, like screaming at your kid and expecting more out of them than everybody else. Like, I understand it. I don't agree with it. But it's it's hard. It's it's a challenging thing to do. Yeah. Challenge is light, light word, I think. It's hard. Well, I'd agree. I'm in great shape because I suck at sports. <laughs> so I'm not going to. You gonna, don't have to be good at so it. So I'm not going to coach. I mean, that's one thing, you know, like if you find something – with your kid that you know nothing about, I think they appreciate that as well. I mean, there's some there's some great memories and relationships that can be born out of, like, experiencing them together and teaching your son or daughter how to do things. But there's also some great stuff with if you just watch them because they see that too. Like, there's – I know nothing about horseback riding, <laughs> but I watch the kids do it, and they've said on multiple occasions, it's like – we just love that you sit there and watch you know right. it's like i i'm learning yeah picking it up but i also enjoy that too not having to teach everything or be worried about are you doing this right this right i think it's good for both sides you have that going as well if you're going to coach your kid have something that you're you're not even involved in that you can just sit there and watch yeah honestly coaching your kid is stressful the, it the is, yeah best part of it though is simply the time like the amount of time I spent with each of my boys, just quality time. And it could just be not necessarily being in the dugout and at the game, at the practice. Because, that, again, that can be hard sometimes. It's like I am coach now. I'm not necessarily dad, no matter how hard that is. It's the ride there, the, like showing up before everybody else and playing catch with your kid, you know. It's, you know, the ride, the ride home. Like all these experiences that you're just closely connected um, loosely as as coach, but really it's just spending time and with with your kid. It, it's it, yeah, you're, I mean you're you gonna do, miss you, when you don't have it. You, you know? do travel a lot with club ball, but 
I've really enjoyed the road trips, just sitting yeah. there. And, I mean, those are some good memories, more more than Absolutely. you don't remember the games, no. but I do remember the drives, you know, almost every single one of them. I do remember the drives, but couldn't even tell you about the games, you know. It was pretty enjoyable for me, you know, like you said, the time commitment. And it's like when you can sit and watch a kid when he played with you, it was like, this is amazing. <laughs> this is amazing. I get to just... They drop him off and then go get some coffee and then go sit in stands and just watch. I think when you have a coach too that you trust, that helps. Yeah. Like, like it's been murder for me to watch my kids in high school play. It's been really hard, and, and I know that's a, that's a challenge for a lot of coaches. Is like when you're not involved in that at all, and that's where that whole dad coach stuff comes in. Where like my kids being slighted because it's like when you have no control over the situation. You know, like, he's good. He should be playing. That's the hardest thing. Yeah. Looking forward to being an athletic supporter. <laughs> <laughs> You'd let you jockstrap, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, That's where I'm you're at. Worth That's probably where I'm at. Oh, man. That's good. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks, thanks dude. Yeah, man, this is fun. I was, that was great. this whole setup. It's crazy. This is awesome. We're getting there. Better than yeah, – at least you didn't have to come to the old one. You can, like – is gonna do to me in here <laughs> it was like this tiny ass closet and now like cameras and lights and shit like, what the fuck is going on here i'm like i swear we have a podcast <laughs> <laughs>